However you got here, you're currently listening to the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast. Thanks for giving us a chance. If today's message speaks to you, encourages you, or just leaves you with questions, you can reach out to us at connect at perryhall.life. All right, so we're in the book of James. James, I'm going to tell you something. If you haven't figured it out yet, he hits nerves. It's very sensitive, some of the things he says, and we're going to hit some more even today. But he goes right to the point, you know what I mean? He goes to these points that, like, it affects all of us, and it's like, man, come on, let's not talk about this. We don't need to talk about this. You know, we've gone through different things of talking about sin, temptation, talking about, you know, listen more than we talk. All these things are so personal for every one of us. And throughout James, we continue to see this unfold. He continues to go right for us. In one sense, he's painting a picture. And you're seeing the picture more clear and clear and clear as we go through. Last week, we finished up chapter one. There's five chapters in it, so we're one-fifth of the way through. And now we're beginning chapter two. And let me encourage you. Read James. It's an easy read. It's five chapters. You know, read it over, meditate on it, let the word of God just speak to you because God's going to speak to you. I guarantee he'll speak to you as you read and meditate. And we talked about this last week. Meditate and let it marinate. Let it just soak in you the word of God and you're going to hear from him. So James 2, James continues this theme of godly maturity, godly actions, godly lifestyle and behavior, and the list goes on. Talks about faith and action. Now he gets to a really interesting point here, and I'm calling the topic sin of favoritism. And he's beginning to to start saying, you know, check your heart out. You got something going on in favoritism, you know, showing, you know, uh, partiality to people and things like that. And I have to say this, We truly live in a divided world. I mean, we really do. And it's continuing to divide more and more. Rich and poor. This is what James is going to be talking about. How about this? Right and left. Hey, if you don't think the way I think in political world, well, you know, you're wrong and I'm right. Mask, no mask. Vaccine, no vaccine. How about families? Families are, are divided. They're split and everything else. I think one of our biggest division probably has been in all society, is religion. And I say religion in a sense of denomination, things like that. How come these so many different religions out there? How come there's so many different churches out there teaching different things? It's like, in one sense, they started from the Bible and then they veer off. Or maybe they got some good points that are from the Bible, but the rest of them is not according to the Bible. You know, Dave and Cindy and Jess, they give out the food. Yesterday was a home run again of how many people coming by for food. And there's a need. There's a need for food. And I want to thank everyone who gives to the church because we give it to the, to the poor. People bring in food left and right, and we get it shipped in from Amazon. And uh, it gets packaged, and it goes out. But my point really is, I was talking with Dave that they have little Bibles they give out, which is really cool. And there's some people say, no, we don't want it because their religion is not our religion. They'll take our food, but they won't take our Bible. 
But, you know, this is the way it is because you don't believe a certain way. You, you kind of veer off and you stay away from other people. The world is thriving to pull us all apart. Just pull us apart however we can. Will we decide on certain things? It's just you decide this way. I heard something a couple months ago. This, this senior uh, Jewish man said this. We have lost the art of disagreeing. You know, why can't we just disagree and, you know, be happy? But nowadays, you disagree with me. I'm, I'm offended by it, you know? So James begins to bring out this division even in the church. It's favoritism. We point out certain things here. He's talking about the church, but it's also talking personally as well. You know, when you read the word of God, you see all these different um, accounts. I don't want to call them stories because these are real things that take place. You see all these different accounts. It's like a parable, okay? A parable is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. This is what takes place throughout the Bible. God is using examples. He's got it in the Bible for you and I to hear and for you and I to follow. But we got to be looking at the spiritual end. What else is God saying in these verses? But when we look at this word favoritism, it really it means here the practice of giving unfair treatment to one person or a group at the expense of another. Now, we know how the world is outside. The, outside. We know their favoritism. We know how all these different things go, but it's to show something. Now, I want to begin here in James chapter two, verse one, and let's just pick it up from here, and then we'll get right through these things. James uh, chapter two, verse one, my brethren, do not hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with partiality. Now, let me stop for a minute. At the very beginning here, you see who it's written to. When you see scripture says, my brethren or my brother and sister, you know, you'll see that in scripture. He's talking to the church. He's talking to people who made Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior. Until you make Jesus Christ Lord and Savior, you're not part of the church. You're not a Christian. You may come under this umbrellas or we're a Christian nation and I go to a religious church, but you're not a Christian until you become born again. Then you're a true follower of Jesus Christ. James is writing to Christians. He's writing to followers. And he's saying here, do not hold this faith that we have in Lord Jesus Christ. Don't hold it for yourself. Don't hold on to it. Because we got to share the gospel. It's not just for an elite group. It's for all of us. Now, as we continue to dissect this stuff here, we begin to see something is unfolding. Now, remember James from James 1 and 2. He's starting out. He's writing a letter to the 12 tribes that have been dispersed. They had to take off because of persecution. And he's like the pastor, he is a pastor, with this church in Jerusalem here, and he's sending out, okay guys, this is what you gotta do, this is life. You've been living, you've been living a certain way, now Jesus has come on the scene, and now we change the way we live to a certain degree. So these guys are going through a big change as well. Then he goes in verse two. For if there should come into, into your assembly, this assembly actually means um, synagogue. You know, they're using the, they're using the synagogue for, for church. For if there, if there should come into your assembly a man with gold rings and fine apparel, and there should also come in a poor man in filthy clothes, verse 3, and you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes and say to him, 
you sit here in a good place. And say to the poor man, you sit there or sit here at my footstool. Okay, so we're seeing something here. Verse four says this, have you not shown partiality among yourself and become judges with evil thoughts? So he's coming right out of the gate here and he's telling, look, you see somebody special? And when it says poor and when it says rich, if you dig into the original, it is, it is literally dirt, dirt poor. And it's literally very extremely rich. And this is the comparison that James is using here. And he's even saying, you know, they must have had a problem going on there. But, you know, if somebody will come in here that's all shiny and gold and bright and everything else, you know, we might think something different than if the man came in here in filthy clothes. We might say, man, I hope this guy doesn't sit next to me. We might not say it, but in our heart, we may believe it and hope, hope that this person doesn't come sit next to us. Or if the rich guy comes in, hey, sit next to me, man, how you doing? You know, you know so uh, James is warning us here. So we go, into, we go into verse four, and again, have you not shown partiality among yourself? They became judges with evil thoughts. It's interesting because it's like, this is something I believe we all do. Whether we do it in church or we do it outside. Our friends, people at the workplace, wherever it may be. You know, you ever hear somebody say, you know, a friend of yours may say, yeah, so-and-so, he's my best friend. Okay, well, I'm your friend, but this is your best friend? You know, where am I at in this? And there's a problem with that because the person who's a friend, not the best friend, kind of feels a little slighted. And God warns us not to be showing favoritism. James obviously is writing to a very partial culture. Sometimes I think it may be even worse than ours back then. And here's the point. If, if you would treat the poor man the same as the rich, that's okay. It's not saying, James is not saying, okay, the way you're treating this rich person, you got to bring it down a little bit. No, what he's saying is the way you're treating a poor person, you got to bring it up. The person maybe you don't like, you're not really caring for, you know, and we all have to deal with it. Now in verse five, it goes on and says, listen, my beloved brethren, has God, has God not chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he promised to those who he loved, who loves him, love him? You know, I want to say something here, and I, some of you probably have experienced this. I, I know some have, but I have been to villages in other countries. I have been to slums in other countries, and I mean, I mean really bad areas. They literally, they, I don't know how to say it. I mean, it's, they're dirt poor. The floors are dirt. There's no electricity, no, no air condition, no running water. The list goes on and on. And these people are strong in their faith. Every one of us here in material items, maybe with money as well, we are extremely rich compared to those people in these other countries. But, you know, the many times I've been there, I've started processing and I realized these people got faith. They got faith that puts me to shame. I mean, I'll just be honest with you. We here, we have plan A, B, C, D, E, and, and the list goes on. You know, we, we may, um, if we're dealing with a health problem, we come up, we get prayer. That's great. 
We may even go online and, and send out an all-points bulletin. <laughs> so all my prayer warriors, pray. That's great. But then, you know, we also got the doctor. We also got medicine. We also got all the x-rays and scans. We also got, um, you know, if we're still feeling rough, we go to the hospital, we get treated, and we go home. These countries, and again, I'm saying that I've seen this, they don't have that. They just only have plan A and trusting God. And these people, I'm going to say, put me to shame, put us to shame. And God is saying here, these poor people, they're, they're really rich in faith. I mean, they're very rich in faith. It's something we can learn. See, the rich man, he may trust in God, but the poor man must trust in God. They must. And I say this, you know, in the, in the country we live in, we're so blessed. We're so, we have so much. But sometimes I just wonder if our so much is distracting of a true relationship with God and really being serious about our, our relationship. Verse six, but you have dishonored the poor man. Do not the rich oppress you and drag you into the courts? Now, the poor person can't really sue a person. It's pretty hard for them because they don't have no money to take them to the, you know, to fight up against a rich person. But a rich person, they won't hesitate to sue you. This is what James is saying here. Verse seven, do they not blaspheme the noble name by which you are called, you Christian? Verse eight, if you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself, you do well. This is what he said, if you, you do well. You know, it's kind of interesting because we got all these different uh, commandments out there. We know the 10 commandments, but I think there are 613 commandments altogether. And Jesus says this in Matthew 22. He says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. Let me just stop there for one minute there. This is really having a relationship with God. This is really being serious about God. It's loving the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind. That means you're in the word. That means you're studying. That means you're hungry for God. That means you're meditating, marinating yourself in the word of God, saturating yourself in the word of God, being obedient. As we talked last week, the Bible's like a mirror and you want to see what you, you are spiritually, read the word of God and it'll tell you. And if you're honest with yourself, you'll fix yourself up like we do in the natural. In the natural, we look in the mirror and we fix our hair up and do everything else. In the spiritual, the Bible's is a, analogy is, is, a, is a mirror as well. And if we really love the Lord with all our heart, we continue to look it in the mirror. We continue to grow. You know, a good way of seeing where you're at with the Lord is a year ago, where were you at with the Lord? Has anything changed? Are you still reading your Bible just a little bit? Or are you reading it more? Are you growing in God more? Are you hearing God more? Are you listening for God more? But then he goes in here and he says, this is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. These two commandments, these two commandments is all you need. You have these two commandments, everything else hangs off of them. All the other commandments are having to do with these two. If you love people, you won't show favoritism. If you love people, you won't judge people by their mistakes. If you love people, you'll be there for them. If you love people, you don't care what they look like, if they're dirty. If you love people, even if they're rich, you're going to love them because they, they need it more, I believe. 
But when we dishonor the poor, when we dishonor other people, we really are dishonoring what God honors. It's interesting because God doesn't show partiality. He doesn't show favoritism. He doesn't like or liked Billy Graham more than he likes you. He can't love you anymore. He can't love you enough. Or any more is probably more like it. Or any less. He doesn't love you any less. Every one of us. Verse 9. But if you show partiality, you commit sin. That's, that's bold right there. And are convicted by the law as transgressor. If you show partiality, if you show favoritism to someone, God's word says you're sin. That's pretty strong words there. Now, again, obviously, keep yourself in the story of what has taken place with James right into this church. But he's saying, you're a transgressor, you're a sinner. And it's just like, let's read verse 10. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point, he is guilty of all. They're lawbreakers. If you go 56 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone, you're breaking the law. You're breaking the law. Now we read in verse 11, for he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. Okay, that's obvious. I think we know that one. But Jesus is making a point here. So speak as so do as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. Are we getting this? Are we understanding this? This principle that James is bringing out, we're kind of going right in order here. This is, this is important because we all, have, we all have favoritism. We all have prejudice. How about that, prejudice? Just that, you know, it's, it's, just, it's horrible what has taken place in life. But let's face it, we got prejudice in race, religions, social status, and the list goes on. For judgment is without mercy, to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. That's a tough statement right there. You give mercy, you're going to get mercy. You don't give mercy, you're not going to get mercy. So we see here, and I'm beginning to wind down here, just I don't want to get into the next segment, but we see here the concern that James is telling the church. We see here the concern that God is telling each and every one of us. Watch your heart, guard your heart. Now we see in Galatians 3:28, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen. See, God doesn't look at the employer better than the employee. God doesn't look at, at uh, the man. Greater than a female. I guess. I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> now, but see, we're all on the same playing field here. And this is what God is saying. You're on the same playing field. Don't, don't think you're all that. <laughs> Galatians 1.27. Listen to this one here. It kind of goes with this other verse. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him male and female. He created them. Everybody, even this person that you're not crazy about, even this person that you don't like at work, this person that you want to stay away from, 
God? He's created in God's image. She's created in God's image. You're created in God's image. Romans 2.11 says this, for there is no partiality with God. See, God is not a God of showing favoritism. Like, you know, I like this person better than that person. Proverbs 22.2 says this, the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord is the maker of them all. All level playing field you have here. We're all in the same playing field. We all made mistakes. God doesn't look at you like, you know, you're less than someone who's not made mistakes. We're all in the same playing field with him. John 13, 16, most assuredly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master. Kind of getting back to what I said before. God's not looking better at the employer or looking down at the employee. Hey, we're all in the same playing field. This is the way God created. This is the way a good dad raises his family. The good dad doesn't have favorites. But God is kind of continuing to bring it back. Okay, we've seen the, we've seen the, the earthly story of the problem in the church, as James was saying, was showing favoritism. But it's really a heart issue. And when, when God was done with Saul, King Saul, King Saul was brought in by the people, not by God. A lot of people think that all our elected, elected officials are, are brought in because God brought them in. No, that's not true. The government part is God's, God's plan. But when God was fed up with, with Saul, he wanted David. He sent, he sent Samuel to Jesse's house, which is David's father. Jesse had all these boys. Samuel was checking them all out and said, no, this ain't the one. Bring me the other one, the dirty one, the one out in the field tending sheep. It's a dirty, disgusting, stinky job. Bring him in. That's the one I want. And the scripture says in 1 Samuel 16, for the Lord does not see as man sees. For man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. The Lord looks at the heart. And I would say this, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, because outwardly we can be whatever we want. We can, we can, you know, we can impress you as much as we want or press each other as much as you want. I can wear the, the suit jacket. You know, it makes me look slick and everything. But you know what? God sees my heart. God's looking at my heart. I mean, he, he really is. And he knows my heart. Scripture says this. He knows my heart better than I know my heart. I'm not going to share my heart to you. I just want you to know that right now. We could be here a long time. But sin of favoritism really starts in the heart. It's that heart issue. And I say this, we have to unlearn, unlearn prejudice. We have to unlearn favoritism. We have to unlearn division. We have, as, as the body of Christ, we're not called to be separated. We're called to be united. And this is what unites us, the word of God. There's nothing else in 
that, that, um, that unites us, but the word of God. God, that's what unites us. But God really loves us. I mean, he's really crazy about us. When you see his word, it's interesting because it says God is love. Yeah, God has attributes of love. We know that. But it says he is love. He is love. I'm going to close with this verse here. Romans 8, 38 and 39. For I am persuaded that neither death nor aim, neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, verse 39, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'm telling you, you know, we make mistakes. You're, you're going to make mistakes, but there's nothing is going to say, God's not going to say, you know what, you did this and you did that, you did that. I'm done with you. God's not going to say that. God's not going to say, well, you're not my best friend anymore. <laughs> you know, you're just, you know, you're, maybe you're my friend, but you know what, we're keeping you on the side there because you're a little dirty. No, he's not going to do that. He's going to continue to say, I love you more. Not more, but I love you. He can't love you any less. So when we understand that, when we hear that, we got to realize, you know what? God's on your side. God is on your side. People might not be on your side, but God's on your side because, because he loves and cares for you. Amen. We can, we can stand up at this point here. The prayer team's going to be on the left and right here. I want to say this. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, or if you don't know what I just said, I ask you to come up to the prayer team because none of this stuff you'll really understand or comprehend without Christ inside of you. You could be religious. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that. That's, that's not good enough, though. You can come to church all the time. You can give all your money to the poor. You can feed the hungry. You can do all these different things here. But if you haven't made Jesus Lord of your life, you've missed the boat. Jesus says that everybody's a sinner. We have to ask for forgiveness as to what the word of God says. And we have to accept Christ into our heart. Until we do that, we're not born again. Jesus said you must be born again. So this is the most important part of your life for now and for eternity. So let me pray. Father God, I just thank you for this day. I thank you for this time. I thank you for each person here. And I thank you for each dad here. Lord, I pray a special blessing on the dads today, Lord. Fathers, as we go out here, Lord, we realize that our jobs are important. And our jobs do matter. As dads, as fathers, it does matter. So Lord, I pray for boldness. I pray for uh, love to be upon our family, upon our, our dads as they lead us. Dads are leaders. They're leaders of household. So, Father, I pray for leaders, for fathers to get stronger and stronger in their relationship with you and with their family. Lord, I thank you for this time as well, Lord. Continue to guide and direct your church, Perry Hall Family Worship Center. And, Lord, we thank you for what you're doing in this church. Again, continue to guide and direct your church. Continue to guide and direct each and every one of us. And Lord, we thank you for so many blessings, but most of all, we thank you for Jesus dying on the cross and rising from the dead for our sins. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks for giving the Perry Hall Family Worship Center podcast a chance. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and if you want to know more, we've got everything you need at perryhall.life.